Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Position. That's the nothing personal word of the day. It is Tuesday, February 21st, 2023, otherwise known as the anniversary of my bar mitzvah, February 21st of 1981. 91, uh, 01, 11, 21, oh no, 42 years. <laughs> I was so nervous before my bar mitzvah, Coca. Because you're young, you're 13 when you're bar mitzvah. And I was this very little boy. I looked like I was nine because I was short and just looked young, hadn't gone through puberty. And you get a tape of your, when you are leading the service or doing your haftorah, which means you practice uh, for six months and it's the rite of passage to becoming a man in Judaism. And you get all sorts of presents and you get to have a party in theory, not the kind of parties they have these days, but we had a luncheon. And my voice had not completely dropped at that time, but it had started to. I was in seventh grade and the beginning, I don't know why I just thought of this, in the beginning, sorry, Coco, we didn't even talk about February 21st before we started the show. So in the beginning, you may edit this whole damn thing out because we're not live today. Anyway, so in the beginning, the first prayer uh, is, is this, it's, Baruch Atah Adonai. And then I realized I can't sustain that for an entire service. So I went back to my normal voice, which had now sort of cracked. So Baruch Atah Adonai Eloheinu Melech. I was like the kid from Keeping the Faith. I could relate to that kid who was being trained by Ben Stiller because that was me. And all I wanted to do was be impressive in front of the girls who I had invited and who had agreed to come to my bar mitzvah. And I was, it was just a disaster, an absolute disaster. That's a bad position to be in when you're on stage or the red light is on and you know you are screwed. But I'm not talking about that today. <laughs> Although it's too late. Yes, I am position. Steve Cohn met the media. We're still going. It's three days of, of owners meeting the media and they never cease to amaze me in the things they say and the reason they say them and how important it is for you to understand why they're saying what they're saying because they're generally not treating you as though you have a clue about anything. Welcome to Nothing Personal where you can buy a clue every day, 45 minutes worth. So Steve Cohn meets the media, the owner of the Mets. He's entering year three. 
quick clawback. Is it called a clawback, Coca? Not a clawback. It's when you when you um, reference something that happened before, like earlier in the show or a previous show. Clawback is when you try to get money in a bankruptcy or clawing back some money. Maybe it's a rollback or a or a, a reach back, a get back. Why don't you come back, please? I don't know the expression. So when Steve Cohen bought the team in 21, he said three to five years, we're getting you a World Series. Well, here we are starting year three of his ownership. We're right now in the window, the window of winning, the window of opportunity. I wanted Steve Cohen after this offseason where they spent a half a billion dollars, where they brought in, who did they bring in? They re-signed Diaz, they've got Lindor, they got Correa, they got Verlander. I know they didn't get Correa. They got Verlander to replace DeGrom. They re-signed Nimmo, that was nice. They got Senga, little under the radar signing Quintana, but it doesn't matter. They added money. Their payroll is at an all-time high. There's never been a payroll higher between his actual payroll and what he's paying in luxury tax. He's in the 400, $450, 460000000 million range. So what do you want Steve Cohn to say when he meets the media? Because he's talking to you, of course, Mets fans. You want him to say, we're year three. I told you we were going to win a World Series, and it is World Series or bust this year. Our expectation is that we will win the World Series, and it starts today. The focus our guys have, they are locked in, and they're going to stay locked in through the end of October. And of course, I would have come on the show and said, wow, good luck with that. But instead, Steve Cohn leads off and says, you know how hard it is to get into the World Series as we saw last year. So the only thing you can do is put yourself in position where good things can happen. Wow. Is he understanding what it is to be an owner? Does he have his sea legs? Has Steve Cohn gotten rid of new owner-itis? Did he take penicillin and realize that he's now been cured? Did he actually get PR advice from somebody? Because he's exactly right. The only way that you can win a World Series is by being in position to win a World Series by making the playoffs. And the higher your payroll, the more likely it is that you're going to make the playoffs unless you're just a total dolt and you've spent the money so unwisely and you have bad luck with injuries, you have no depth, your farm system isn't good enough, your signings aren't good enough, your trade line deadline, trade deadline acquisitions aren't good enough, and you end up on the outside looking in, which with expanded playoffs is rare. But then if you don't win your division, you're stuck in wild card rounds. You may be playing a two out of three. If you don't have the best record of the division winners, you could be playing a two out of three, even though you're at home. And all of a sudden, the first weekend of playoffs, you're home. If the Mets do not make it to the World Series this year, there's no other choice but for Steve Cohn to say this was a failure of a season. But he went into an entire diatribe about how we have to be in position. We have to be healthy. We have to be rested. We are raring to go. And then let the chips fall where they may. Steve Cohn, how now, brown cow? We don't want you saying those things or acting that way. We want you to say the following. 
My name is Steve Cohn, and they can form whatever economic reform committee they want. But rest assured, I'm going to keep spending through year five because I'm going to make good on my guarantee to get a World Series. And I'm not telling you we can win one, but I'm telling you for the next three years, we're going to be in the World Series. We're going to win the National League pennant. And if we don't win it this year, I'm signing the next guy who's going to help us win. And if we don't win it again, I'll sign the next guy because I now realize there's guys every year. He kept going. And he addressed the Economic Reform Committee too. Remember that committee? Another clawback to yesterday. We talked about what Rob Manfred was doing and how it's directed towards Steve Cohn. He addressed it. He said, I think it's great that the owners are getting together to discuss all these issues. <laughs> Steve Cohn didn't get the call from Rob Manfred to be on the committee quite obviously, because he's not gonna be on the committee. Why? Because the committee's about him. So the reason he's not on the committee is that you can't have a committee meeting and then talk about one of the people on your committee. There was a time and place when Mark Walter of the Dodgers would never have been on this committee because he was the reason for all of the problems in, in baseball because of what the Dodgers were doing. I think Mark Walter may love Steve Cohn because no one focuses on him anymore. So he's at spring training and he's talking in the media, he's watching his team play. There's nothing like the first workout when all the position players have arrived. The pitchers are there. It's really not true. There is a day, and it's under the collective bargaining agreement. There is, you count back from opening day what the first day is that you can have a full squad workout. And the thing about a full squad workout is you're using all the fields of your spring training facility because you've got the pitchers doing bullpens and doing what's called the drills where they're practicing comebackers where a ball is hit to them and they throw it first or they throw it a second and the catcher's yelling 2-2, two, 1-1. Two, one, one. They're practicing bunt plays. It's called PIP. Then you've got the hitters who are doing infield and they're practicing the wheel play. They're practicing where they go when they're bunts, where they go when they're ground balls, where they go when there's fly balls, positioning. It's like drills, but you've got the full squad there. All the fields are working and there's never more excitement. Obviously, there's some cities where they know they're not going to make the playoffs, but still spring training's good. So Steve Cohn gets up there and he's got to be excited but not nearly as excited as he was in years one and two. Because the longer you're in the game, the more you realize that all spring training should be about is getting through it without injury. It's not that you are gonna have the pitchers all of a sudden able to field bunts because they did the drills. It's not the players are learning the signs and are gonna become better infielders with all the instruction. It's actually a bunch of crap. I'm sorry. I don't mean to say you shouldn't go to spring training and go watch games or go be in the good weather if you live up north or go watch the drills and try to get autographs. I'm just telling you that the correlation between performing well in your drills and performing well during games doesn't exist. However, we pretend it does because we meet the team and say, the seriousness of this season, the expectations we have to win, it starts now. I want you here on time. I want you paying attention during stretch. I want you really stretching. I want you taking these drills seriously. I don't want any joking around, any jocularity. We play how we practice. Every line in the book. And what we're really trying to do is set the stage for players to try to want to win as badly as we do. 
but players don't all of a sudden get the will to win because they're taking their spring training drills seriously. They are getting ready for a season given where their headspace is. Spring training is actually most important for the team psychologist who's getting a look at the team and figuring out, wow, I'm going to have to work on that guy, that guy, that guy, that guy, that guy, and that guy. That guy just signed a big contract. He switched teams. We're going to have to figure out how to get him comfortable. That guy doesn't have a new contract. He's going into free agency, and he's got his eyes out on himself, his stats, and going into another team's organization the following year. So learning what each player's motivation is now. You could tell me that I'm wrong, that all players are motivated by winning. All players are motivated by team. And I would tell you, really? Not in my experience. Which there's nothing wrong with that. Being motivated by self and self-improvement, I don't think I have a major problem with that. Is that selfish? I've never called the players selfish when they're worried about their own situation. I've called the players selfish when there's a man on third and there's under two outs and he doesn't get the runner in because he's trying to hit a home run and there's a way to hit a ground ball to get a runner in. That's selfish because the player doesn't understand that that particular at-bat is not gonna cost him money in arbitration or in free agency. As a matter of fact, teams will look well upon a player who plays that way. But thinking about your own situation, that's normal, totally normal. I wonder if Garrett Cole is thinking about his situation. He may be. Garrett Cole is coming into Yankees, big free agent. He signed several years ago. Can't remember what year he signed. It's too long. Yankees have not won a World Series with him. He has not won a Cy Young Award. Garrett Cole is the number one pitcher with the Yankees. They even brought in a great number two in free agency. A guy named Carlos Rodon who came from the Giants. They gave him $27 million a year for six years, which is a complete overpay. But... He's a good, he's not as, wow, could he be? He could be like bringing in Wei Yin Chen to be the number two to Jose Fernandez, where it sounds good during the off season. And then all of a sudden the season starts and you're like, oh, crikeys, this may not work out well. That is possible. So Carlos Rodon was brought in. Yankees start spring training. No talk like last year, Aaron Judge, you're going into your free agent year. How do you feel? Are you going to stay with the Yankees? How do you think about your year? And his year turned into the historic year that it was where he hit 62 home runs. Now, this offseason, the Yankees re-signed him. They gave him $360 million. Is that what they gave him, Coca? I think his deal was uh, 9-360. That sounds low. Was it 9 460 I'm totally blanking on his deal. And we're sort of live right now. I don't have my computer open. I'm just talking and Coca's looking right now. It was 9360. Hell yeah. I'm awake. Brain is functioning. What's nine into 36? Nine, 18, 27, 36, 40 million a year for nine years. Oh my God. Can you imagine paying that much for a player and knowing that there's no way that that player can ever do as well as he did the year that he went into free agency? Tip my cap to you, Aaron Judge. So Aaron Judge meets the media and says, hey, am I going to have the type of year that I had last year? I don't know. Certainly going to try. Of course he's going to try. But you think he's going to hit 62 home runs? Seems quite unlikely to me. 
So the Yankees bring back a player where their team didn't get better. Their team is the same. They added Rodon. But at the end of the day, you know that you have a player where you're not getting improved production, you're getting decreased production, and you have to figure out how to make up for that production. Can you imagine when you lose a player to free agency, or you trade a player, you work on replacing that production. And you look at all the different stats, you look at where that player used to hit in the lineup, and you figure out how am I going to replace that? It is incredibly depressing to write the same name into a lineup from year to year and have to figure out how to replace that player's decreased production. Bad. That's like having a player on the downswing and you just sign him to a nine-year 360. He's on a downswing, definitionally. Now, you can play this tape if you want in September. And if Aaron Judge hits 63 home runs, then I will tell you that I was wrong. Very wrong. I'll admit it. NGTH, folks, not going to happen. So Garrett Cole comes into spring training. He has to meet the media. His first question, of course, is the same as what you'd think, which is, how are you going to be better this year? How are you going to give up fewer home runs? Do you remember Garrett Cole from last year? Every time he started, he gave up home runs. I think he started 33 games, which is a very full year for him, for anybody, any pitcher, 33 starts and he gave up 33 home runs. That's not good. He may have led the league in home runs allowed, but every pitcher is allowing more home runs because hitters are hitting more home runs. That's why MLB changed the rules to say, hey, let's make it so singles, doubles, and triples are actually more reasonable to attain because there's no shift, because we're making the bases bigger, the, your players will be in motion, etc. So when He's asked about this. What do you think that he would say? He's going to say that it's very important that that's one of my focuses. I want to be sure to be uh, help our team win a World Series. I'd like to win a Cy Young Award, all the different things. But where was the talk of, hey, I'm definitely going to give up fewer home runs because I haven't seen the balls yet, but they may be a little more dead. But more importantly, the rules are such where there'll be fewer home runs hit. Guess what, folks? Do you know if baseball ever were doing changes to the ball? Do you not think that baseball would make the balls a little more dead this year to add extra incentive? Ready? 4-8-69. Do you not believe that baseballs this year will be more dead than they were in previous years because MLB is highly incentivized to have home run numbers down and for players to realize that swinging for home runs will not be as advantageous as getting singles, doubles, and triples. Because then at the end of the year, they get to say, look, the new rules worked. The games were faster. Players are realizing that they don't want the true outcome of strikeouts, walks, home runs. They're putting the ball in play more. If you combine new rules and deader balls, guess what? You're a winner. And you know what the result is? Fewer home runs given up by Garrett Cole. Therefore, wait to see. Wait to see is when I tell you something's going to happen. If it happens, great. If it doesn't happen, great. I'm still going to get back to you. I promise. Take the under. Garrett Cole will give up fewer home runs this year than he did last year. It's a guarantee. Book it today, February 21st, 2023.
Okay. Let's talk. Let's switch to basketball a little bit, if we don't mind. I want to talk about something that came up yesterday and tell you where my head is and why my head is there. Myers Leonard has signed a 10-day contract with the Milwaukee Bucks. In basketball, a 10-day contract means that it's like a being called up in Major League Baseball. You can be sent down after 10 days. That is the, the minimum unless there's injury, and we'd always say there was injury. But in basketball, you sign a 10-day contract. You can sign a couple 10-day contracts. That used to be the rule. Don't know if it still is. And then after that, the team has to decide, are they going to sign you for the rest of the season? But a 10-day contract is used for a player who they're going to give a shot to because they have an injury, because they have a need, they have a roster spot open. Myers Leonard, as you remember, was on the Miami Heat, was playing a video game on Twitch and used the word which is a word that is used. It is a negatively connotated word. It is a word to describe Jewish people that is not appropriate and should not be said. It is a slur, a racial slur. Myers Leonard was immediately traded, suspended, and not allowed back in the game. Um, Coca is upset that I said the word, and the reason I was saying it was I was describing, and you can edit it out if you want, Coca, I was describing what it is that Myers Leonard said that caused his life to change in a way that he was not expecting. Myers Leonard then sent, then sent, all right, Coke, you want me to just say it that way? All right, here we go. 4869. Myers Leonard, about a year ago, said a bad word that was a pejorative racial slur, slanderous word, slanderous word against the Jewish people. And the Miami Heat immediately told him, you're done. He got suspended, he got traded and then waived, and he's been working his way back ever since. He had an injury that he was rehabbing, but he went on a tour of different synagogues and met with rabbis and did all the things you're supposed to do when you're trying to reclaim your reputation, when you're trying to explain that you were telling the truth, that you didn't know what the word was. Didn't realize it was so negative and now he's learned. So he gets the 10-day contract and I must tell you, I've been thinking about it ever since yesterday, and I'm happy that he's gotten that second chance. I'm happy that he signed a deal. And it's not because I love the Bucks and I love Milwaukee. It's not because Milwaukee's the most tolerant city in the world. I'm not sure there are any cities that are, I would call the most tolerant in the world for all races, all genders, all types. But Myers Leonard, I've seen a lot of players go on these tours where they pretend that they are changing. They pretend that they didn't know what they did. They pretend all of a sudden to take sensitivity training. And I've been very cynical, very cynical, above average cynical, where I tell you that in fact, the players are full of it. When I see players do it, often I have said to you, they're only doing it because they have to. I tell you that players only go into sex addiction treatment when they get caught cheating. They go into gambling addiction treatment when they get caught gambling. They go into drug treatment when they get caught doing drugs and it impacts their performance and they're missing work or they're missing games or whatever the case may be. And I always would say that's the same with actors. That's the same with businessmen, Wall Street, all of us. Or, and I'm not saying it's common to athletes, but my initial reaction would always be to be cynical. Why am I not that way with Myers Leonard? What is it about what he did that caused me to believe him? So it got me thinking, is it a racial issue? Is it a Jewish issue? Is it 
a genuine issue where I read enough about it, where I watched his videos, I watched his appearances, and I don't follow up on every athlete, so therefore when I don't follow up, I don't have proof, I just assume that they don't mean it. What a fail by me to need to actually witness it, to live in it, to understand it, to think that there are athletes or people who are doing it in a genuine way. That's a blind spot of mine. So I have committed since yesterday, as I was thinking about it, because I never thought about it before. I think it's amazing um, in my birthday week here, as I approach my double nickel birthday, where I can be an example to you where we can change, we can learn about our blind spots and actually try to rearrange our positions so we can see them. And I was willing to give Myers Leonard the benefit of a doubt that I wasn't willing to give other people and now I think that everyone deserves the benefit of the doubt. They deserve to figure out how to put themselves in position or it's for me to assume the best and not the worst. I've spent so many years assuming the worst that it was just a reflex. When a player would say something to me, I just assumed the player was not telling me the truth until I got to know the player and then I had a relationship with the player and then I would believe anything the player said and sometimes people would use that to manipulate me. How many times and how many instances are there where we get manipulated because it's someone we trust telling us something, they've built the trust, we believe in what they say, and even when we're shown that it's not true, we still believe it because of the relationship or the trust. And then when the trust breaks that you've spent a lifetime building, once it's broken, it's gone and you can never get it back or you have to work your ass off and then hope you get it back. What a situation to be in where everyone around you doesn't know the truth, doesn't know the circumstance, doesn't give you the benefit of the doubt. So then I went a step further in my thought process. Hold on to your hat, Coca. I started thinking, do I need to give Kyrie Irving the benefit of the doubt? Or Jerry Jones? Or Daniel Snyder? Or Mark Cuban? Or Steve Cohn? And then I woke up from my nightmare and I realized, no. I don't need to give them the benefit of the doubt, but what a crazy continuation of the blind spot where I'm giving certain people the benefit and certain people not, and I'm basing it on my view of them. That's insanity. It's unavoidable. I'm gonna keep trying to get better. But in the meantime, I'm gonna start with Myers Leonard. Congratulations to you, you did do the work. Guess what? Now you have to be good at your job in order to keep your job, which should have been the bar that's always used. Which by the way, I don't feel badly for cutting players who do bad things who stink and keeping players who do bad things who don't stink. No, I don't. I'll give that more thought though, I promise. Not during the break, but maybe before tomorrow's show. All right, we come back. It's, we are under a month from the Academy Awards. I watched an Academy Award-nominated documentary that we're gonna review, and then we're gonna talk about something that's going on uh, with another owner who met the media, but not to talk about baseball, which is a fascinating thing to think about when your owner is meeting the media and doesn't get asked completely about your team. We'll be right back. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. 
Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp's software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. It's David Sampson. We'll be back live tomorrow, Wednesday, the 22nd. But for today, enjoy the show. I don't know why we're not live more, Coco. We could do it more. Do you like being live? Do you like the chat rooms? Do you engage in the chats, Coco, during the live on YouTube, Nothing Personal with David Sampson? Anyway, please subscribe. Are we at 12,000 yet? We're doing a giveaway at 12,000 subscribers. I don't understand why some people whose shows are not as good have like hundreds of thousands of subscribers. What are we doing wrong here? Hit subscribe. Tell your friends to hit subscribe. It's not that hard. Just hit subscribe. All right, you know I watch all the nominated movies. I did something else yesterday. Do you know that on March 15th, season three of Ted Lasso starts? So I wanted to rewatch season one and season two. And over the past four days, I started on Saturday. So Saturday, oh God, it's only three days. Saturday, Sunday, Monday. And I finished it last night. I rewatched the 22 episodes of Ted Lasso, 10 from season one, 12 from season two. And I had forgotten several things about it. I had remembered most of it, but reliving it, it was just as wonderful, just as funny, just as poignant, just as emotional, just as perfect. If you have not watched Ted Lasso, March 15th is season three. Watch the first two before March 15th. Believe me, it's the best recommendation I could give you. But I'm also watching all the things that are nominated, all the movies nominated for Academy Awards. I watched a documentary called All that breathes all that breathes is about two brothers in india who take care of black kites when i saw the summary of the movie and that it was nominated i thought they were kite runners i had never heard of the bird black kites i may be the only one coca have you ever heard of a black kite please tell me you haven't that would make me feel a whole lot better because then it means that multiple generations have not heard. 
but they're a type of bird and they are in India. And these two brothers have devoted their lives to rehabilitating black kites who are injured and putting them back out into the, the world. They live in Delhi. This is without a doubt, the most beautifully shot movie I've watched this year. All That Breeze is a double entendre, not just for kites, but for other animals, for human beings, for everyone and everything who and which breathes. The cinematography and the camera shots and the subtleness of this documentary, I have not seen another show like it. They show things from as small as almost amoeba-like creatures, millipedes, centipedes, up to rats, hogs, horses. And they don't do it in a way that it looks like an animal show or a zoo show. They do it in a way to show who's adapting to society, which animals, which people, what it's like in India. And here we are in New York or Florida or Washington or Boston. I'm going down the list of places, but it would take the entire show of where you all live who are listening to this show or watching this show. We have no idea what it's like in Delhi. I don't think unless you've been there and I've not been there, but this documentary brings you inside the level of, it's not just poverty, it's the level of environmental issues, it's the level of garbage, it's the level of smell, it's the level of despair. And I'm not talking generally of India, nor would I, but what this movie is capturing is what people do in their corner of the globe to make the world better. And we all live in such a small corner. We all barely branch out no matter how much you travel. We still take up residence in one room or one apartment or one home. And we feel as though there's nothing we can do. It's overwhelming to deal with the changes and issues that face our society. And so we basically end up doing nothing instead of tackling things one issue at a time, one person at a time. And what these brothers do with black kites, it's inspiring. So All That Breathes is something that I would encourage you to watch if you possibly have time. You can get it on HBO Max. It is only an under an hour and a half. And I think you'll agree, it's got a good chance to win Best Documentary. I'm not saying that's my pick, but it's got a good chance. Okay, uh, we do corrections on the show. Uh, we don't edit the show. And I don't have anything in front of me other than a list of topics that we're gonna discuss. Every show comes off the top of my head, which means there's going to be mistakes. I don't know everything I've never claimed to. And I love when you give me corrections, so keep doing it. I did a segment yesterday about the NBA playoffs or load management or Adam Silver, or things that I would change about the All-Star game. And one of the things that I said is I would change whether or not a team would choose to play the first two and the last two games of the finals at home or the middle three games. And it was pointed out to me by someone on Twitter, thank you, that the NBA used to be 2-3-2 and now the finals are 2-2-1-1-1. Therefore, my entire plan from yesterday is right down the crapper. Although I still, you know what? Screw that, Coca. It's not down the crapper. I still would make the all-star game. The winning conference gets to decide, are they gonna be the 2-1-1-1 or the 2-1? Why would anyone choose to host games three, four, and six when you can host one, two, five, and seven? Forget it, I changed my mind again. It's preposterous. 
The winning team in the All-Star game will decide if they want home court advantage in the NBA Finals by getting the first two at home and then the game five and seven. Of course, you're going to take that. It's ridiculous. Oh, here's the solution. Just move it back to 2-3-2. And then the decision's a little harder. Okay. Thanks for the correction. I was wrong. I was wrong again about the nothing personal pick of the day. Yeah. Yes, I was. Yes, I was. The Rangers lost to the Jets. And I don't mean the Texas Rangers, and I don't mean the New York Jets. We had a hockey pick. We're 24 and 30. I am on quite the bender. I can't get a win. I'm staying with hockey. A shout out to my friend, Rick Tockett. Congratulations on getting the Canucks job. I'm actually picking you. I have no inside information. I haven't even spoken to you since you took the job. I have no idea who's playing, who's not playing, but I like the Canucks over the Predators plus money. I like new coaches coming in. Good luck, Rick. We need a win for crying out loud. I don't, I think everybody's fading me right now anyway. Don't worry. We're going to get to baseball season. We will get back to plus money. We will finish the year plus, plus money, way over 500. But man, we are as cold as ice, Farner. Ooh, are we ever. All right, let's talk about John Henry, if you don't mind. John Henry met the media. We talked a little bit about it yesterday. And I forgot to mention something that he talked about that struck me as funny. Owners own a bunch of companies. It's not their sole gig, just owning a baseball team. But when an owner meets the media at spring training, wouldn't it be weird? Let's take uh, Jim Crane in Houston. Do you think they're gonna ask him about his other business or David Glass when he used to own the Royals and he was involved in Walmart or Drayton McLean in Walmart? who used to own the Astros actually before Jim Crane. Do you think when they would come to spring training? So tell me, how do you feel about what's going on in the consumer products life? How do you feel about pricing at Walmart? Why do you sell guns? No. I think when Jeffrey Laurie, the owner of the Marlins, when he met the, uh, Mickey Harrison, better, owner of the Heat, they get to training camp. Hey, Mickey, I'm just curious. When do you think the cruise industry is going to rebound? Any new ships coming down the pike? You don't do that. But yet John Henry, who leads something called Fenway Sports Group. Fenway Sports Group is something that owns a bunch of assets. They own hockey teams. They want to buy a football team and a basketball team, but they own a baseball team and they own Liverpool. And a few months ago, it went public that they were searching for something to do with Liverpool, bring in investors, sell the team. Everything was on the table. So the media gets to John Henry, who doesn't talk to the media often, and they asked him about Liverpool. I would have counseled my owner that when you've got multiple ownership interests, you're at spring training to talk about your baseball team. That's it. It's not your job to talk about your other assets. Why aren't they asking you about the house you bought or the house you sold or your yacht? I don't know if John Henry has a yacht, but it doesn't matter. Bruce Sherman has a yacht. You think they asked Bruce Sherman at the Marlins' first full day when he meets the media today, which he may, you think they're going to ask him, how's your yacht doing? No. But what's worse is when you're asked a question, you don't have to answer it. But John Henry did answer it. And he said, and this is a quote, a direct quote, will we be in England forever? No. I assume he's talking about him personally, and his mortality and not the team leaving Liverpool. 
Are we selling Liverpool? No. Are we talking with investors about Liverpool? Yes. Will something happen there? I believe so, but it won't be a sale. And then he looked at the media and he said, have we sold anything in the past 20 plus years? I love that. I love when you throw people off the scent by saying, hey, we've never done that before. Well, yeah. What does that have to do with doing it now or doing it tomorrow or in a week? Nothing. It's supposed to put you off the scent by saying, pay attention to my behavior from previous times and you'll know very easily what my behavior is gonna be now and going forward. Don't believe any of that. Are we selling Liverpool? Why would you just say no like that? Why wouldn't you either say, I'm not gonna answer questions about Liverpool because it's the first day of Boston Red Sox spring training, or two, I've already told you that we have retained an investment bank. They're exploring alternatives. I have no update for you. But you never put yourself in a position where you could end up a liar. Maybe people don't care if they end up as liars. This team is not for sale. It's like the vote of confidence that Sam Kennedy, the president of the Red Sox, gave Chaim Bloom. Same day, same spring training, same location. Total vote of confidence. Yeah, he's our chief baseball officer, and I don't see that changing. Why? Why would we ever give a vote of confidence? I gave a vote of confidence to someone and then fired them right after that and said, why would I do that again? Why would you ever get a vote of confidence even to someone who's got a long-term deal? Why would you put yourself in a position where you know that what you're saying is being recorded, you know that people can do freezing cold takes, freezing old takes, old takes exposed to what you were doing. So don't talk in absolutes. Are you selling Liverpool? Not right now. Is that something you can consider doing? Of course. I would consider doing anything. Is Kyan Bloom your chief baseball officer forever? Unlikely. Is his job in jeopardy? All of our jobs are in jeopardy at all times because unless you're the owner, your job's in jeopardy if you don't perform. There's no reason to give a vote of confidence to a manager or to a general manager ever. When we get the playbook of how to be a team president and how to meet the media, it's always right there. It's not page one, but it's page four, paragraph two, subsection B. Don't give votes of confidence. Because why would you ever want to be looked back as someone who doesn't know what they're doing? That's why you don't give the vote of confidence because then you have to answer the question, well, what changed? Are you selling Liverpool? No, Liverpool sold. What changed? Man, I got to answer that now. Wouldn't it be great to go back and say, I told you that we all have to do our jobs. I told you that we need better performance. I told you that if the price is right, everything's for sale. We've already disclosed the fact that everything's for sale. Don't say that we haven't sold something in 20 plus years. That just means you haven't gotten the right offer. If someone walked into John Henry right now and said, I will pay you $10 billion for the Boston Red Sox. See you later, Boston. It's not even a question. It's irresponsible not to sell at a price that you know your team isn't worth. If someone comes in and offers an amount for Liverpool that makes it the highest paid team, the biggest, largest transaction ever, see you later. Never gonna go to Anfield again. It's business, right? It's not the end of the show, but it is just business. So be careful when you're meeting the media, please. So I talked to you about Ted Lasso. I wanted to mention something about what happened in the rewatch that I did. And it's season two, episode three. 
season two, episode three was very interesting to me because the kits that they have for the team AFC Richmond are sponsored by a company or an airline called Dubai Air. And there is a storyline in that episode where a one of the spokespeople who is a member of the team who has a sponsorship deal with Dubai Air found out that Dubai Air was owned by a company that did bad things. So he no longer wanted to represent Dubai Air. The equivalent came from the 1992 Olympics when Michael Jordan and other players who were sponsored by Nike would not wear anything Reebok. So they used an American flag. If you go back and look at pictures of the dream team of 92 getting their gold medal, a bunch of the players have gold, have, have American flags draped over their shoulders. That's to cover up the Reebok logo because Reebok sponsored the uniforms for the Olympic team and paid for that. But Nike sponsored the individual athletes and Nike called the athletes and said, cover up that Reebok. You're a Nike guy, not a Reebok guy. And that's not even companies doing bad things. In this episode of Ted Lasso, the owners of Dubai Air were actually doing something against Nigerian people and this player was Nigerian. So they took tape and covered up Dubai Air. And it was a very powerful part of an episode and all the other teammates followed it. And all I kept thinking about was that is not realistic. Players cannot do that in the real world where they have a disagreement or a distaste for a team sponsor and they decide to cover up the team sponsor's name on the uniform. And this is now happening in American sports. You've got teams where there are now Jersey sponsors. It's welcome to the MLB. It already exists in the NBA where you are increasing revenue by representing a team. What happens if you're a player and you've got something that is philosophically against your team sponsor? It's easy to do if it's a team sponsor that's on the board, on the jumbotron, you just ignore it. But on your own uniform, do you think that all NASCAR and all F1 and all those drivers believe and love all the sponsors for their particular teams? For sure not, but they have no choice in the matter. And you cannot do something to alter your uniform. As a matter of fact, there are at Major League Baseball rules against tampering, not with players, there are that too, but against tampering with your own uniform. You're not allowed to cut it. You're not allowed to cover parts of it. And the reason you're not allowed to do it is that the money that's being generated, there are things that you have promised contractually to that sponsor. You have promised that every player who takes the field will only take the field wearing the uniform with this particular logo. But you've promised it to every player. You've guaranteed it to every player. And if players take it in their own, on their own to cover it, you're actually in violation of the contract. You're subject to damages. You've got a major problem. So there is no way that a owner of a team would allow his team to go out there covered with the AFC Richmond covering Dubai Air. It just would never happen. So while I found it to be emotional and interesting, I found it to be absolutely unrealistic. And when Ted Lasso, the character played by Jason Sudeikis, was asked about whether or not he thought this was the right thing to do covering up the name of the sponsor, he answered with a quote, doing the right thing is never the wrong thing. 
It sounds like a beautiful quote, doesn't it? It sounds perfect. When can do the right thing, other than when it's a Spike Lee movie, which was a great movie that you should all watch, when can doing the right thing be the wrong thing? Is it possible that doing the right thing is never doing the wrong thing? So I started thinking about it and I started thinking about my childhood and thinking about my mom and thinking about my teachers at school and my professors in college and what we, I tried to teach my kids to always do the right thing. But there's a caveat. Doing the right thing only works in the confines of the rules in which you are playing a certain game. And it doesn't mean a game on the field, it means your business. It means anything else that you're doing in life. Doing the right thing means that you have to follow the rules as they are given to you, as long as they're legal. So what would be doing the right thing in the situation where you have a disagreement against something your company is doing is you leave your company. You don't take the pitch. You don't put on that uniform. If you feel that strongly about a sponsor, about something that your owner's done wrong, if you're the Phoenix Suns players and you're so angry at what Robert Sarver did, or the Clippers so angry at Donald Sterling being a racist, or the Cincinnati Reds so angry at Marge Schott being a racist and an anti-Semite, if you're so angry, take a stand and don't play. Don't put on the uniform. But guess what happens in that situation? You're in violation of your own contract because you're not rendering the services that you promised to render to your team. And then you end up losing money yourself. The people who are the most interesting to me, the most evolved, the most passionate, and the most principled are those who will do the right thing even when it impacts their life, when it impacts their money, their income. That's a lot harder to do because more people than you realize follow the credo that it's just business. This is nothing personal. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com